welcome to another episode of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro, for their continued support. One of the privileges I get by running this podcast and by writing history books that I do get to speak to some very smart and very indeed pleasant people. And uh, a while ago, I got to speak to a man called Jim Stobo. And Jim, uh, uh, who received an OBE, uh, died earlier this year, but it was a fundamental character in the UK cattle business. And through an association that I had with the Royal Smithfield Show, I got to know Jim some 40 years ago, I think, and where his quiet and effective demeanor was so such a welcoming voice in amongst the heat of that great show. In February 2013, I caught up with him for an informal chat at his home, and among Jim's accolades he held in his 89 years was president of the NFU, president of the Royal Smithfield Club, chairman of uh, Squabble, which later went on to be QMS, of course, and twice president of the Aberdeen Angus Society, president of the Longridge Towers School and president of the Maudlam Foundation and various other appointments that he had. And he established his Fishwick herd of Aberdeen Angus cattle in Kelso in the 1950s. So a man had a lot of history in Aberdeen Angus. And, and he was also noted for the fact that uh, he won the Royal Smithfield show with, uh, with an animal called Highland Princess in 1956. Jim was also a great breeder of border Leicester sheep and later uh, South Country Chiviot. Um, Jim, later in life, retired to Nabdeen just along, along the road from Fishwick and he cultivated his business career by helping many people and organizations while also maintaining a reduced Aberdeen Angus herd until, uh, as well as his flock of border Leicester. So I had a great uh, privilege of talking to Jim there and uh, I recorded that information. I've had to cut quite a bit of it out because some of it was quite controversial. Jim was a man who was uh, quite uh, quite good at speaking his mind, but uh, a man of a mine of information as well. So uh, I'm privileged to be able to share this with uh, top lines and tails. I hope his family won't mind me sharing um, these words that Jim gave to me. So uh, uh, please enjoy your 40 minutes chat that I had with uh, the great Jim Stobo 10 years ago. Lovely spot you have here. It's a nice spot. That's nice yeah. You get a few ducks on the barn there, will you? Yeah, we do. Swans do if it's swans. Three different years. We started off talking about limousines. George Cormack, you lived down in that cottage there, uh-huh. and he had the buildings after I stopped and kept, did his livery job in these buildings. Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Okay. But uh, George contended that they had split into two types, uh-huh. the sort of Stirling Perth type yes. and the Carlisle type. Yes, yeah, that would be true. And he reckoned that the... Mm. The Perth type was the more durable. The Perth type would be a big, would be bigger ended, wouldn't they? Bigger ended, the, the bigger ended, and and that that was the same this time. We then got on to more familiar ground, talking about Aberdeen Angus. I suppose I, I got interested in the nineteen fifties and uh-huh. bought my first heifers in about nineteen fifty five. But it was always a sideline <laughs> all my life, and after I retired from fishing along here, uh-huh. kept. 80 odd acres and um, I, I tried to copy what I'd seen the men on space I do having maybe six cows and breeding consistently mm-hmm. a decent bull and I got it reasonably good towards the end uh-huh. I, I, had, I had some good bulls I had misfortunes with bulls mm-hmm. um, you know I bought uh, a reserve champion in Perth from Glendine uh-huh and he started to produce silver cows. I put them to eye. Really? Yeah. Okay. Canadians, when accosted about it, said, oh, 
And we know there was some creative breed improvement. Uh-huh. They wouldn't worry about it if they no, lost a little bit. Um, so, but we had to withdraw him from the eye. Luckily, uh-huh. we'd sold a lot of semen off him, and I, I sold a good bull that was second in his class to the Gull Country uh-huh. bull that made 17,000. And, and there was, George was suspicious that uh, they were conscious of the problem and didn't want him to come into the top because he would not be comfortable to pay readers. I think there's, there's some, we'll go back to the 50s and the 60s in a minute, but there is some school of thought that when, when the Canadian cattle started coming in that there probably should have been some sort of upgrading program that would allow these Canadian cattle to filter themselves yeah. in quietly and... and Anything that hadn't got a genuine history, because a lot of these things only got one pedigree, one one generation yeah. in the pedigree, and then it's all it's waffle after that. So they should have let them come in and, and, and filter them in slowly. Yeah, that would have been that would have been sensible. But that's hindsight is a great thing. Indeed, indeed. But when when were you at fish? When did you retire from from? Oh, ninety one. Uh huh. Uh, none of my family wanted to farm. I mean, no. it's as easy as that. My mm-hmm. my son is in Singapore and uh-huh. working in Hewlett Packard. Uh-huh. Um, Computers, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, quite yeah. different. Um, I got into that myself, you know, into computer yeah. business, and you know, it's a lot more profitable. Well, he's so. been in it all his, all uh, his career. I mean, uh-huh. he, he went there right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, my Angus career really was about that. Just uh, uh-huh. I, I managed to sell at the end Stuart Edison. Uh-huh. He, he yeah. bought a cow from me. Um, she was a set from Edvis. Mm-hmm. It got by chance the World Forum that didn't happen. Oh right, yeah. I was parachuted in to be president that year, and uh, that there was an upset in the breed. Tom Arnott mm-hmm. stood down from doing it. Didn't, you know, when it was, was that? What year was that? Two thousand and two. It would have been. Uh-huh. Should have been. It was the foot and mouth eat stuff, uh, you see. Of and uh, but Tom stood down. I was in the sheds at Glimpton. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking for a bull for the Castle of May, who had a, a daughter's son in Perth from Balndalloch, made, was it 8,000 the bull made this time? Yes. A very neat, mm-hmm. a shapely bull. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the phone rang there, as this was Tom, would I do this job? And he wasn't doing it. So I said, well, I need to talk to my wife, and, uh-huh. which I did, and she, I think she realised, yes, I had to do it, so I, I became present. Mm-hmm. But with the World Forum coming, I had to try and get a string of cattle that I could show oh, the right. president. Yes. I thought that was the thing to do. And um, we had everything except a two-year-old heifer. Right. And I went up and bought this heifer from Alistair. And Stuart got her, and he, he got a big, big price for a daughter mm-hmm. um, out of her. Mm-hmm. But the, the cattle were, I had them breeding. Uh, I had, luckily... When I was president, we went on and developed the Aberdeen Angus Beef Club, which was to try and close the link with the commercial end of the market, which is the market. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the breeders have never recognised that, sadly. There's not one of them is a commercial footing. I think there are one or two, but uh, certainly a lot of them it, aren't. It's not, I mean, it's... it's yeah. uh, but um, we said that we were doing this, and we went to Angus Stovall's with a group of journalists, and he had this cow uh, with a good bull calf at foot. And the cow was a castle of May bred. And so I knew the female line and uh, I negotiated with him. It took months of negotiation, but I got the bull bought. Uh-huh. Potemkin, quite major. And he was a great big chap. He, uh-huh. he really was a big one. And um, we got to the point that we had daughters to serve. Mm-hmm. And I judged the Highland and put an Irish bull 
that Billy Glazebrook was showing Champion. And uh, I thought, now this is the bull. There was a double-A Willie Boy bull come out of Canada. Uh-huh. And uh, wasn't used widely enough when he was alive and around. And then we realised that he, his females were doing a tremendously good job. So Potemkin quite major carried his blood and this uh, this Irish bull, the, her, her, his mother was by W. Willie Boy. Okay. There, there was a double cross, cross and Potemkin quite major uh-huh. and uh, half. So I, I was like, we'll have a go at this. Yeah. I bought the bull from Billy. Uh-huh. And Billy saw the quite major bull uh-huh. and... Uh, he bought him his, in part exchange. Oh, right. okay, that's works. And oh. then the next year he took him to the Highland Show and John Tilson judged and made him male champion. Right, okay. And I think if he had maybe known mm. what the bull was, uh-huh. he would have put him further. But yeah. he was a strange mm-hmm. owner, you know. And, sure, yes. But so he, he was male champion. Oh. So okay. the, the, the last two bulls had both Highland Show uh-huh. championships in there. What was your involvement, just going back away, what was your involvement with, with the breed back in the, in the 60s? In the 60s, 60s I, I was on council, I, I chaired the publicity committee. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and was on the general purposes committee, which they had at that time. Um, Were you involved in, in, in uh, the smaller bulls, should I say? Oh, you? yes, I mean, there's a picture of me with a, mm. a bull that came to my yeah. thigh. Uh-huh. He, he was a good bull, actually, and Bill Reed at Fortress bought and then re-exported them to Argentine, where he did quite well. Right. Um, but was that, who's breeding? Was that your breeding? That, my own breeding. That was your breeding back then, yes. Uh, and uh, the in Perth, he was in the youngest class, and he was standing second. Yeah. And we were quite jocose. Mm. Yeah, the big classes. Get somewhere. The big classes. Uh, the old market, and uh, at the very end, he was put down third. Fair yeah. enough. That was uh-huh. it. Was Raul Bancalares uh-huh. did it? Um, the first two went on to be his champion and reserve champion well, no. overall. Okay. So that was the closest was the, I ever got to. Very close. Oh, great yeah. honour. And he went out onto the Argentine... Eventually, but yeah. he went via Bill Reed at Forthouse. Uh-huh. He, he, he was there. there. I think even at the time Bill was, was selling up, there was still some of his blood in, in the Forthouse. And I had another one that Keith Bromley bought, mm-hmm. and, and he re-exported him. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> he could sell them better than I could, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they were obviously interesting times when when the, the U.S. and the Argentines oh, were yeah, in looking it was, for it was these, a different, yeah, different market. But um, they they were buying families by all accounts, or buying particular particular pedigrees. Well, they? They, they they made it fairly plain where yeah. their new. I mean, Newhouse had a tremendous run, and yes. the, the Ernest Kerr yes. lines. They, they they had a tremendous run. And I had a wee bullock that uh, you know we shot at Smithfield and. A little bullock that um, was bred by Walter Ross Taylor, with whom I'd shared a bull. Uh-huh. Um, and um, he was in a Duke of Norfolk winning team in, in Smithfield. Uh, okay. I was going to go back to the Smithfield years in a bit, because obviously that's you know, where, I, where I know you from. Yeah. But you seem to be... You've, you've, you've been in the breed, and you know a lot of people in the breed, I would say. Yes, you, you, a lot, lot of the people. I mean, I, yeah, uh, you've been sort of well-connected uh, in amongst the, amongst the breeders. Yeah. But I, I, I think... Maybe that's of my whole life. That's been the feature is the mm. people I've met and uh, uh-huh. the contact. You know, it, it endures. It's a, yeah. Uh, and w- w- with going back to Castle May, did you would you advise through them? And when did Martin Leslie take over? over well, Martin Leslie was was the factor. Uh-huh. He was factorable moral first, and then uh, and at the Castle May, and then when it was due to retire, the Queen Mother said, "Would he please stay?" Okay. 
so he decided that he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, he did eventually retire when she died. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I was a trustee by then. You were a trustee, that's okay. In 96, she set up the trust. Uh, reputedly, she, um, the lawyer, Boyd Carpenter, mm-hmm. um, had said to, to her, I think, ma'am, there should be a farmer on your trust. Because oh, right. she'd laid out very specific objectives for the trust she envisaged. And uh, she, she reputedly said, mm-hmm. I know Mr. Stobo, he'll do. Oh, right. uh, it was like that. Okay. So, I don't know, she, did, she never told me that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, I knew there was some involvement, involvement in that. That was, that was a Smithfield thing, you see, mm. too, because she had a heifer at Smithfield that was second in its class. Huh? And it was the days when she came for, yeah. for the sale. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was sitting with her at the sale, and the beast made 2,600 and it was bought by Safeways. And uh, there was no doubt, it was just at the time they were opening their big place at the Guile uh-huh. at Edinburgh, and uh, she turned and said, they won't be going to slaughter that. Well, I said, at the price, ma'am, it's unlikely. <laughs> but um, I will go and see them. So we had to rearrange the tour, you know what these tours in Smithfield were like. <laughs> yeah. And um, she told them in no uncertain terms, we don't want to slaughter it. <laughs> so um, I went back Immediately she had left the show to, uh-huh. to Safeway and I said, look, I've probably landed you in it with uh-huh. this. Uh, uh, if I can help, I will. So the beast went to um, oh, chap down there in Belgian blues early on. Robin Ivory. Robin Ivory. Well he got the beast <laughs> back from Smithfield and showed her at the Royal. Oh, right, okay. Where she was fourth. Mm-hmm. And then... As a pure. As a pure. Uh-huh. And the... Alistair Grant, then chairman of Safeway, uh-huh. took her into his name. All right. And she came here. Okay. And lived. And the... The, the progeny began to build up. And, mm-hmm. You know, they were like... When Alistair Grant died, mm-hmm. I think there were three. Uh-huh. And these trustees approached me, would I be interested to take them? Well... Uh-huh. I thought, yes, I'd just keep them. So I, I, I bought them yeah. from the trustees. And them back here. Then oh. I had one decent bull, but again, he was caught in the foot and mouth. Ah, right. here. Okay. I got a private sale for him and got uh, him away, uh-huh. which was the same year that I, I, I sold the, the bull that went to Lucas at Chiclaw, right. um, Eric to each side, mm-hmm. um, who bred Lucas... A lot of good cattle. Uh-huh. He got them far too cheaply. Yes. But that was put in mouth. Put in mouth and said, yeah, you yeah. have to go where you can. But if you get bulls away, into Based on the research that I was doing, I wanted to hear more and more about the olden time. To the to the the, the 60s, or 60s and the 70s time, did you get out to, to the Argentine and see any no, other... I, I, I got to um, the, the Verona Fair to try and sell cattle. Uh-huh. And... Uh, at a later stage in my career, I was on the British Agricultural Export Council right. and chaired their livestock group, and that got me around some of the places. Mm. And obviously, mm. I had a petting interest. Yes. Um, Irvin Robbie, who was the secretary in the 60s when mm-hmm. I was doing the, the, the publicity committee, mm-hmm. we, we had Portuguese wanted to buy cattle, yeah. but we couldn't get licenses from Portugal as a country. And... Bursby, remember Harry Bursby, who was the, Name is Bella, uh, the, the Freezing Cattle Society secretary. Ah, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, quite yeah. a grand gentleman, yeah. Yeah. Harry. He had been to Portugal and couldn't get licences. Mm-hmm. 
Evan Robbie and I went and we got in touch with a man, Rubiru, who farmed up the Tagus and Rubiru was a sort of prince among his own people. He, okay. he was the chairman of the cooperatives, you know, and yeah. all the things. Uh, a very successful man. And um, he got us to Dr. Portugal, who was the man who would grant the right. import licence at six o'clock on a Saturday night. And we drank a bottle of wine with uh, Dr. Portugal and made our case. Oh, yes, you'll get cattle, get your licences. Really? And came home, so we then set about uh-huh. asking for the licences. Uh-huh. And he denied that he'd ever <laughs> <laughs> uh, They're going now, I think, Portugal. Well, they're buying a lot of cattle. They're big buyers yeah, at the moment, buyers, yeah. yeah. No, I think there's quite a lot going. Out. There's quite a lot going throughout Europe now. I think, isn't yeah, there? The, the demand, the demand is growing. Just growing. a slight danger in, in, in the thing, which mm-hmm. just a personal thing, but there's a risk of starting to breed for these female sales mm-hmm. and for bull sales. Yes, and, uh, yes, it, it's a danger, uh, and, and yes. it's noticeable that suddenly they've got excited about the milk figures mm-hmm. yeah. in the breed, which yeah. have not really been a problem in terms of rearing Angus cattle. But uh, they're seeing the female sales. They want the milk in there because they yeah. can sell it in the females. No, the figures is a whole is a whole ball game on its own. Um, well, that was another thing that uh, I did get concerned with as president. Mm-hmm. I became very aware that the different recording systems didn't mesh. Right. And uh, I. I, I would you be in around about the time when they changed from from Signet to to the to the? The it was it was through. Well, around about that year, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I Marion Campbell. Marion Tilson mm-hmm. was my technical committee chairman. Okay. And uh, I, I commissioned her. I said, look, go and look at all the systems mm-hmm. and come back and see with which one we want to be on and, and we'll get them to mesh. Mm-hmm. And now, now at least you can buy from most parts of the world. The Angus cattle are all, and the language is common. And bring the figures in, yeah. And, 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 and it, was, it wasn't a technical difficulty. I think it was more a political difficulty, wasn't it? Almost at, politics, at the time. Yes. Most of these things are. <laughs> <laughs> I was involved involved in it because I wrote a software system in, in the 1997. I remember you. I, I talked to you at one stage about that, getting it. Yeah. And and the idea of that was that it would communicate with all these various people, but they were, a lot of them sort of held across up to the fact that mm-hmm. they, they could take data in and take it out. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the Australian managed to take that one forward. And that, but the, the figure side of it is an interesting. Looking at it from a from a history point of view, is some people took the, some people took the figures on early on. Yeah. I mean, um, John Elliott said, "Well, originally they dismissed me as a figures man, but he didn't say they're laughing on the other side of the face now." But to that well, effect, you know, I, mean, I mean, the figures it, have taken him to where it he is. It is a very valuable tool. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm denies it, mm-hmm. but. Sadly, some of the guys that are in the trade now, they're not looking at the cattle enough. No, no, that's They're right. just looking at the figures. Mm-hmm. And um, they're paying a lot of money for indifferent cattle. Um, I, I've never seen a good bull with really bad figures. No. But I've seen a lot of bad bulls with really good yeah, figures. Yeah. And it's... Um, I think that's that's the consensus, really. That you look at the cattle first, and then the figures, and not the other way around. And the trouble is now, a lot of these catalogues go out, and people have got preconceived ideas before they even arrive at the sale, oh, yeah, just uh, based on pedigrees and figures without even looking at the animal. And that's dangerous, I think. I spoke at the the World Forum that did take place in this country at Aviemore in nineteen seventy-seven, and um, I, I said there that I, I thought that if the forum could establish common standards by which the cattle were assessed. Mm-hmm. That would be a great service to the yeah, breed, yeah. and let breed improvement mm-hmm. take care of itself. Yeah. That if there's somebody wanted a, mm-hmm. an extremity, that's fine, but don't judge to what is a, a current fashion or perception of breed improvement. Yeah, no, but, uh, 
I think they were they, at the time in '77. They were all reeling from what they really realised they hadn't learned from was to going down going down a fashionable route that got them into a, into a cul-de-sac. Yeah. And, and I think they were probably ready to listen to. to they didn't want to listen to me doing that. Didn't they? <laughs> we carried on chatting about figures and covered a little bit of some of the American breeders, but uh, the conversation came back to the same place. <laughs> well, those guys measured just about everything there was to measure. Well, I, mean, but, I, I well, remember Billy Arnott, mm-hmm. Tom's father, going yeah. around with a, a measuring stick, yes, yes. measuring the height to the, the withers, uh-huh. and uh, that was... Um, I don't think he bought many bulls on the basis of that no, stick. But <laughs> no, that's interesting. And, and, and But the thing is, the, people say how small the cattle were in the 60s, but a lot of them actually were very young, weren't they? A lot well, of them, young, I mean, a lot of them were cows. I mean, they, they look in the picture small, but in actual fact, when they're only 11 months old to 17-month-old, yeah. there's a lot of Well, that, that, that man I was talking about, he was April born, yes. and he was being sold in the February following. Well, the same with the Lindettis, but I don't think he was a year old, was he? No, he wasn't much older. And yeah. I dressed a bull for Ross Taylor um, that uh, made... What did he make? Was he 32,000? Uh-huh. Um, he was talking about Everill of Wandle, who uh, sold for 29,000 to Bob Adam in, uh, I think, 1961. Ross Taylor now, is that? Wandle. Wandle, OK, yeah. yes. It was Mongers Walls here in Berkshire. Ah, right. And he, Walter had asthma, and he moved to the West and had no asthma. Oh, right. After okay. there. And I shared bulls with him for quite a uh-huh. time, too. And, uh, OK. But I, I, I didn't. Uh, I was quite pleased with the dressing of that bull. Uh-huh. Yes, I would think so. If he made that sort of money, certainly. I think there was a buzz about it in in those days. If the, oh, yeah, if, if, if a Stetson came round the corner, everybody started scurrying around in circles. There was, there was one one amazing character came. He was a Texan, uh-huh. Johnson by name, and he stood and he chewed tobacco, mm-hmm. and he had a competition with himself to see how far along the passage he could spit. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he could spend about 30 feet, you know. Just <laughs> yeah, interesting characters. And there were a few gamblers back then as well, weren't there? There were men who bought bulls and, and, and gambled them. Yeah, but they were, they were, I mean, Schofield, uh, mm-hmm. Mubri Alexander. Uh-huh. They were actually extraordinarily good cattlemen. Yeah, they, right. they really knew what they were looking at. They would have to be. They could, see, they could see the The time they the put an expense to get that. I think oh, they got yeah. their fingers burnt on a few of them, but by the time they put that expense to, to, to them to go... I don't know whether it was empty in the Angus breed... Like Bertie Drummond was in the short run. Oh, right. Yeah, you know, heard uh, uh. short runs. Jim was, of course, referring to Bertie Marshall. Jim Bigger's second wife, Irene, mm-hmm. was Bertie's daughter. Oh, right, OK. But uh, he, he, he spent, lived in Ayr, uh-huh. and he had farms right down to Stranraer, right. and he travelled through the week out. But he took three months in the Argentine uh-huh. every year oh, really? developing the market. Uh-huh. For his cattle and, and seeing what they were looking for in yeah. the trends, um, and mm. very professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then went on to ask Jim about some of the other posts that he'd held in agriculture. Oh, eight years on the Homegrown Sales Authority. You know what, Homegrown Sales? Yeah, and um, there was a vacancy came up. I, I was due to stand down, I'd done mm-hmm. my two terms. Mm-hmm. And, um, a vacancy on Meat and Livestock Commission, and mm-hmm. I got a telephone. Well, I was at Smithfield again. Uh-huh. Um, would I accept a nomination from the Scottish Farmers Union to go to the MLC? I said, oh, yes, that uh-huh. would be uh-huh. more in my line than cereals. Yeah. I, I was yeah. really interested. And uh, it was the chairman of MLC. It doesn't matter, mm. but uh, he rejected 
the nomination because he said he would make trouble. How right he was. <laughs> I saw this in great need yes. of stirring up. I think that's an honour when you tell him that he's going to make trouble. The, because the it's one of the viewpoints for my history research, uh, the, one of the reasons I was there was to sort of ask him about you know, the breed through its ages and uh, how it was going forward. Yeah, yeah, well, I suppose, what was your opinion of the, of the cattle when they, when they started bringing them into the country? I mean, the first ones we saw were, were, came to Highland Show from Tinkerd mm-hmm. and uh, they were just so different. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they, I think it was unfi- maybe unfortunate that he introduced them to a Highland Show. Uh-huh. Where they presented nothing but a quandary to the mm. judge. Uh, sure. It was so different. Mm. Uh, Campbell Graham, I think, was the first one to bring That was John Graham, yeah, it was his father. Oh, it was, was his father. Was Peggy, Peggy Pardon, yeah. And, yeah, and um, the, the, I think maybe with hindsight again, uh-huh. it's easy, you, but he would have been better just to have given them uh-huh. time to be seen yeah. informally mm-hmm. before that. However, um, they were so different that people began to look. Mm-hmm. And there was another string, the McLarns at um, Classlochy. Yes. And the one at Bankhead of Kinloch. Mm-hmm. They, they had uh, a big bull, Eruko. Eruko of Bankhead. Um, who was also breeding big. And I think there was a certain sort of reticence mm-hmm. to get involved with the Canadian ones uh-huh. when these other cattle were getting bigger progeny. You, you and Bruce told me that, that his father found a bull, I think it was family's brother-in-law or somebody down in Northumberland, in, yeah, in no, Northumberland and yeah. brought him up there and yeah. he said he was probably, you know, breeding. He, he was, he he was just a commercial bull. He said they yeah. had a big problem to get the, get the papers yeah, with him. That's it? right. Yeah. And uh, sadly, he too began to show little little stubs of horn, which uh-huh. minimised his, his impact. But he was, he was a good bull, uh-huh. I remember him. Uh, William McLaren said that they have them. He said, oh, Bob Adam used to say that what kept the uh, Angus honest was the, the, the every fourth generation, the, the short-horn bulls that's from the Spay, and that's, uh, to a point, a lot of that short-horn blood is still in there. Absolutely right. Still in there. I mean, they get away with it. They could, in, in the late 50s and through the 60s, I went up to Speyside uh-huh. to buy suckled cows to uh-huh. fatten and, uh, and, and to show. I was looking yeah. for show cows. Uh-huh. And um, that, that, that undoubtedly was the way they did it. Mm-hmm. Just every now and again, they got yeah. a... And then I really dropped a clangor. And what did you think about some of these Canadian things coming in, some of the extreme ones like Sunset Acres Bang and... and, and, and um, Sunset Acres Bang, Bang I owned. So oh, you did? He was, he was one of yours, wasn't I, he? I was, I, I was joined to another of them. Right, he was, he was big though, wasn't he? He was, was big. He, he won the Highland twice and uh-huh. was overall champion once. Um, but he was, he was as, as a pound as extreme as it went, I would have yeah. thought the cattle in this country was... Uh, he he was shapely uh-huh. in his extremity. Uh-huh. Um, were they a necessary evil or were they the, 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 the way... I mean, the fact they won the Highlanders obviously can't be, that, well, can't they, be all bad. But it, no, was, it was the route to, yeah. to achieving Getting the bigness. Side I mean, yeah. I, I think they're probably as big now as they want to be. Yeah. But... I think you don't talk just a, a big that was maybe the other big bull that George bought at that time Windover Justifier George, George showed showed him at the Highland and won it and won it. I think he won the round with Justifier as well okay. yeah. uh, Justifier maybe actually bred more than Bang uh-huh. uh, and 
certainly my problem with the buying females I had mm. was mating them with something else. Yes. I, I couldn't get anything no. that would nick. No. And I, I tried several bulls on the bang daughters, but just couldn't get them to. But did he did he lift them quite a lot? The bang did he lift the case up quite a lot? Oh like, yes, oh lord yeah. yes. He, 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 I mean, he gave me size in, yeah. in two years. It was, mm-hmm. uh, I know he did that. Mm-hmm. Going on to the Aberdeen Angus brand. I mean, from how I see it, that the. the, the the breed went down the way and left the door open, wide open for the Charolais and uh, latterly oh, the Scimitars the, the and, and latterly the Limousins came in. And, and I think that, to me anyway, or from a, from a history point of view, it, it looks that way, that the, the demand for the Angus was driven then by consumer demand rather than by the cattle themselves. Yeah. So although they'd improved the cattle, the demand, demand was being driven. And George was very, very involved in... In, 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 in marketing, he did a great job with that. As a brand, uh, he, he was involved. He was was he on council with you, with you when he was... He no, wasn't? he was after me. Um, I, I wasn't involved in, in the marketing... That way, at the, no. the, the time I was um, on council, it was publicity I was charged uh-huh. with. Um, but George did a great job with that butcher shop that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was it, creating the the, the Aberdeen Angus yeah. brand. I know there I mean, was a the, the, the one man that, by America as well. The, the one man that was true to the commercial thing and, and saw the commercial thing was Tom Bruce. Uh-huh. Tom Bruce was fattening a lot of cattle. Yeah. He, he he knew what. The market took and, and was good. But the, that market changed too. I mean, I used to take eight cattle every weekend to Edinburgh and uh, I, I trimmed them before the went and uh, I could almost say, that one will go to this butcher, that one will go to that one. Yeah. You, you knew the kind they wanted. Uh-huh. But then the roasts went out of fashion. Yeah. It was strip lines. Uh-huh. Um one of the Edinburgh butchers told me, I said, at one time we used to bring the roasts back from the cattle in Fife uh-huh. and send our four quarters over to Fife oh, really? where yeah. they would stew meat uh-huh. and the Edinburgh professional people would roast it. Yeah, yeah. To do with, it, with it money. changed. <laughs> the, the miners got onto a fairly good level uh-huh. compared to what they'd been. Uh-huh. And they were grilling and, uh, and, and they'd professional classes in Edinburgh mm-hmm. who maybe had better training in domestic science and things yeah. they were prepared to make stews and yeah. goulashes so the whole yeah, the whole eating the whole thing just changed yeah. Yeah. and it has changed further mm-hmm. since and then of course came the, the, the rise of the supermarkets and the demise of the small butcher yeah. as, as, a, as a direct parody of each other which can I move on to the Smithville side I mean that's the side of you yeah. that, that, that I know really that the um, you know, the, the, the Aberdeen Angus ruled the roost in Smithfield for, for well, it shared the roost with Chorton for, for a while, but I mean, it ruled the roost for, for a long, long time. And that, to me, is part of the chapter of a book. I mean, Chorton's and Angus, the one we had, the champion, bred by Ben Coots. You won the champion, that was a Chorton, wasn't it? The no, she was a Chorton cross Angus. Uh-huh. Um, princess. The Long River High Princess. Um, that was 57. 57, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... Bertrug, who went to, not Bert, his brother, went to Witch Cross and was the herdsman there. All right, okay. With a lot of the, the new house lines of cattle. Yeah, yeah. Samuel had them. And he won Smithfield several times. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll get that in the, the Smithfield history. The dive and dead side of it in, in, the, in Smithfield again, yeah. I think, was a... Was a very useful eye very, opener. Very, very useful. It's, useful eye a, opener to, to the agriculture side, and I want. It, it was a tremendous way to learn. Mm-hmm. 
what came out from under the skin of the beast you'd seen the kind of beast kind of shape my first year there in 76 and I, it opened my eyes in fact I won the Stockman Judging Cup in 73 I think I've got a photograph <laughs> of being presented by it and I have an idea you're on the picture actually I think really presented by Prince Michael again I was 17 and I won the Stockman Judging Cup yeah. for judging them live and then judging them yeah. um, yeah. judging them live and then where they came back down I won the big cup of stuff up there somewhere I had, I had long hair and a scruffy <laughs> moustache and probably a hangover in those days. <laughs> probably still got, when you did your best work. Yes, possibly so. Possibly so, but I think that was... I think I'm pretty sure it was 77. It was, uh, that was in, I judged does. the cattle in 68, was it? And that was um, Oscar Colburn's Hereford I put up. Hereford, uh-huh. Um, first time they'd been up yeah. in a long time. Yeah. He was a very shapely chap. Uh-huh. We then got chatting a little bit more about the modern beef industry, which, of course, Jim was very much involved. Angus cattle had a dairy cows, is what they're saying at the moment, because they think they still get the marbling if it comes out of a holster. But I think this is being driven by the by the US. So it'd uh, be interesting to see if, if, if Tesco get involved, whether that, we run that, out of cattle. That was claimed, you see, in the, in the early days of the, the, the figures uh, from MLC, that mm-hmm. if you stripped a carcass from a, a beef breed mm. and a dairy breed, mm-hmm. the yield of meat was the same. Really? And it all made burgers. Yeah. You know, it was, um, and that was that was an American-driven theory that uh-huh. eventually we would be keeping well, cattle just to make burgers. They say there's marbling in the a, a real milky animal has, has more marbling in it. Well, again, I don't know the, you know the story of that. We used, to, as an aside, we used to fatten um, 500 bull beef uh, uh, freezers, and yeah. it was all freezers. I used to buy cows when I first left school, and we, we'd put 10 or 15 a week into Kidderminster every week. But they were <coughs> eight, nine hundred weight yeah. uh, youngsters, f- full of barley, been inside all their lives, full of barley, and they went straight but into they were, the they were good beef. They were, they were good straight freezers were good beef. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, it was good. But when the Holstein came in, it kind of killed yeah, them. We got into charities and various things, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't. The last wouldn't good herd of freezers I saw was Mary Mead, uh-huh. um, your Valley, right, and. At that time, which is maybe six years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, she, she had um, four bulls standing in AI centres and, and getting a good demand for mm-hmm. people trying, trying to put a bit more shape onto the, the Holsteins. The Holsteins the yeah. yeah, well, they're not interested in shape the Holsteins at the moment, no. anyway. Maybe that'll come back, but at the moment they're not. We then harp back to those days in the 60s where uh, the animals were a lot fatter, and uh, this is what Jim had to say. Nobody really worried about the, about the, the health side of it, which nowadays you put a beast that fat in front yeah, of people but, you know, on the screen. Lifestyles have changed yeah. so enormously. Yeah. I mean, the, the guys were working manually Grafting, yeah. and burning off a hell of a calories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was a way to replenish calories. I suppose so. I suppose so. so it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't as wrong as people think. It's not maybe the fat that was the problem. It's, 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 the indolence of people nowadays. People becoming, becoming lazy. Um, you were involved in the Highland Show? Not directly. Oh, I, right. I was a director in 1960. In the 1960s, I mean, right. in the days when it was John Arnott, Tom's uh-huh. grandfather, uh-huh. and Matthew Templeton, uh-huh. um, James Durno, that, that sort of time. Mm-hmm. I think I'm the, probably, the furthest back year director uh, who's still alive. Okay. No, no, it's, it's I'm certainly long, long the last one who judged cattle in the Waverley Market, right. the Scottish National Show. Uh-huh. I'm the last one alive of those that did that. That's uh, the Scottish National Fat yeah. Again, we went forward to the modern Angus. On that side of it, really, what I'd like is a comment of some sort of way do you think the breed is going there? Because I think there's the two different objectives. One, certainly with the Angus cattle going smaller. Um, 
they're going to end up with a different breed in, in, in America that we have here. And America is still a huge driving force in, in, in Angus. Yeah, but it, it'll, that'll also change. I mean, they're able, the, the American thing is to have a cow at 500 kilos, mm-hmm. producing 500 kilos. Mm-hmm. Because the, the cows are still carrying quite a lot of genetics of size, mm-hmm. they can do it when they put these smaller, tidier bulls onto them. But when they, the females from that mm-hmm. carry it on, they'll get sm- into small, well, bushy cattle very quickly. Deja vu is the word you'd look for there, I think, because it's happened, it's happened in the past, and, yeah, and, and we're in danger of doing it again. That's what maybe, I mean, maybe sort from of my, question it really. My contacts with M&S, uh-huh. they, 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 they said quite openly that what they wanted was two sirloin steaks, uh-huh. 500 gram weight mm-hmm. in a pack, to cook well. If the cattle are too big... The sirloin is big and the steaks are too thin yeah. and they yeah. don't eat well. Uh-huh. If the cattle are too small, mm-hmm. the steaks are too thick. Uh-huh. And sirloin steaks that are terribly thick don't eat well. Okay. And they, 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 that was where they said they, their ideal was a 550 kilo live, four, four L. Mm, uh, yes. That was about their, their grade that they, they, they found optimum. Thanks again, Jim. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, and I hope you enjoyed that one where uh, I brought to you a conversation from 10 years ago uh, with the great Jim Stobo. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, uh, also, thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Harbro. Uh, we're always grateful to, and Harbro, of course, are... Harbro's, of course, are suppliers and manufacturers of high-quality nutrition and nutritional advice. So uh, uh, look them out and see what Harbro can do for you and your business. They specialize in the pedigree area, but they feed commercial livestock across the board as well and range of buckets and, and a range of shops, of course. So uh, get down to your local Harbro store there or contact your local Harbro representative to find out how they can help you in your livestock business. And uh, you can also look up Harbro on the Internet Um, And while you're there on the internet, don't forget to look out our Top Lines and Tales Facebook page and uh, join in our community there where you'll find photographs and other things to back up this episode. And please subscribe to hit the follow button on our Top Lines and Tales, which uh, helps you then find out whenever we've put out new episodes and also helps us get more exposure on the internet. Thank you.